will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. To say Jesus Christ is the same as saying Jehovah's Messiah. Christ is Messiah. This will not shock you because you've been coming, maybe all of you, for quite a while. It certainly would be a shock to the outer world to learn who Messiah is. But I am telling you from my own personal experience who he is. We are told in scripture he is the son of God. I am telling you tonight who the son of God really is. And you will never in eternity find another son. Not in eternity. You and I were taught as Christians that Jesus Christ differs something entirely different from that of the Old Testament. Yet he is made to say, I have come to fulfill Scripture. Scripture must be fulfilled in me. Then beginning with Moses and the Lord and the prophets and the Psalms, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He came only to do the will of God. Now with the 40th Psalm, we are told, I delight to do thy will, O God. Thy law is within my heart. This is the Psalm of David. It's the 40th Psalm. I delight to do thy will, O God. In the 13th chapter of the book of Acts, the same author that gave us the book of Luke. We are told, and this is the Lord speaking, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. Confirm Fortieth Psalm, which is the Psalm of David, I delight to do thy will. But I am telling you from my own experience, the day is coming, and I hope it's in the immediate present, that you will be set free. You'll be set free only as you find David. If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. But who are you? You are God the Father. That's who you are. You came down and became man. But before you came down and became man, you had prepared a way for yourself to return. And only your son, which is the result of your experiences, in manhood. The result is David. And when you see the result of your experiences and know then, like memory returning who you are, you are set free. 
has told us in the book of Samuel. He has promised to set the father of the one who destroyed the enemy of Israel, to set that father free. And so he inquired, and who inquired? The king, but the king was insane. His name was Saul. He couldn't even remember that he met the lad and met the father of the lad prior. Here in the 16th chapter, he's asked the father of the lad to let the lad serve him. In the 7th, he's inquiring. In the 17th chapter, whose son are you, young man? Inquire whose son, whose lad is stripping you. No one knows. Because Saul is an insane man, as we are. You are not confined in some institution. But if you have lost your memory as to who you are, you are insane. You are suffering from amnesia. And in this case, although we are not violent, we are suffering from total amnesia. Because we do not know our only son. That only son is David. Named in the New Testament as Jesus Christ, which is Jehovah's Messiah. And David is the Messiah. Rise and anoint him, for this is he. And then the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that moment forward. He never lost the battle because the Spirit of the Lord was with him. So to find David, what else is worthwhile in this world? Maybe tonight you could use, and who cannot use, a fortune. Any one of us tonight could use an extra sum of money, no matter what it is. If I had tonight millions, I could still use another few. If you had only a few thousand, you could use a few thousand more. Everyone can use it, but what is that compared to the finding of the sun? For the sun makes you free. You are free indeed, as told you in the 8th chapter of John. If the sun, a man is looking for the sun, and he is complacent, he is satisfied, because he's been taught to believe one called Jesus Christ. Born 2,000 years ago is the son. He has completely accepted that. He believes that. And he thinks that is going to set him free. It will not in eternity set you free. You must find in the spirit David. And David in the spirit is going to call you father. And when he calls you father, your whole memory returns. And that is God, a witness. You rise from the grave first, and still you do not know the Son. You are born from above, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God, born of yourself. You came out all by yourself. Yet you are not free, not until you find the Son. And when you find them, it's told you in the form of a parable. Why this 
your brother. He was dead and he's alive. He was lost and he's found. And the one who complained never left home. He remained in the land of innocence. He never entered the world of experience. You entered the world of experience. And having gone through all the fires of this world, you come out as God the Father. And being Father, there must be a Son. And the Son, may I tell you, is David. I will state it a thousand times over. There is no other Son. God and His Son is the drama in this world. You, sound asleep, and completely oblivious as to who you are, suffering from total amnesia, and only one thing in this world can ever bring back to you your memory, and that is the discovery of David. And when you find him, suddenly memory returns, and the whole thing unfolds within you, and you are the one who conceived the plan, and did not pretend that you are man, you actually became as we are. That we may be as you are. So you became man, that man may become God. But prepare the way for your return to your own Godhead. Now you are told, be ye perfect, as your Father in heaven is perfect. The word perfect is telling, which means the end. It comes at the climax. It means to reproduce faithfully the original. For God is the original. He comes down into this world and in man reproduces faithfully himself in man. And then he awakes having reproduced it, so that his son in the beginning recognizes it and brings back into his eternal being all of us. Everyone will awake. I can conceive of failure. I can conceive of one being in this world failing because God the Father is in him. Even if he dies as a little child, he wants breathing. That breath was God. Nothing is impossible to God. The most horrible beast that walks the face of this earth in the form of man cannot fail to awaken. I do not care what it is. Every being in this world, male and female, will awaken. And when they awaken, it's because the sun appeared. No one knows who the Son is except the Father. And no one knows who the Father is except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. For in the fullness of time, he sends his Son into our hearts, crying, Father. And then in that moment in time, the Son appears. He was always within us. The whole vast thing takes place within the immortal head of man. 
And so when you depart having hung the sun, you'll be part of the watchers, watch everyone in the world, and they're all your brothers. And you will know that what seems to be is to those to whom it seems to be. And is productive of the most grateful consequences to those to whom it seems to be. Even of torment, despair, and eternal death. But divine mercy will step thee on and redeem you in the one body called Jesus. And Jesus is Jehovah. Jesus is the word meaning Jehovah. Christ is Messiah, the Son. So Jesus Christ is simply Jehovah's Messiah. That Messiah is David. Jesus is the Lord God, Jehovah. His Son, if he is the Father, he has a Son, and the Son is David. There is no other Son. For David in the Spirit calls him my Father. My rock, the rock of my salvation. He calls him my God. So that Jesus is the man that is born from above. And the man born from above is Jehovah. It is God the Father. And if he's a father, there must be a son. Where is my son? Then the son comes. And he's David. And David brings back your memory and your set free. For if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. This is the great mystery of the Christian faith. It's a mystery not to be kept secret, but it is mysterious in character. Scholarship is not enough to grasp the mystery of Scripture. In fact, when Paul sets out the eight rights in the kingdom of heaven, he puts the wise, wise men at the bottom. People completely misunderstand what it means to be one who speaks in many tongues. That's the scholar. Has nothing with all this nonsense that people throw themselves into a trance and then utter, bringing the liar to their mouth. Has nothing to do with that. He mentions eight divisions. And you'll read it in the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians. The first is the apostle. That's always the first. Then the prophet. Then the teacher. Then the miracle worker. Then the healer. Then the helper. Then the administrator. And then those who speak in divers terms or tongues. The scholar who will take our scripts and year after year they'll bring them back into their original position because men invariably interfere with them. More so in the past than today because today we have print and we can set a type and reproduce the thing over and over. But in the past, until the middle maybe the 15th century, everything was scripts. Everything was copied. Well, a man couldn't take these volumes and copy them accurately. So he not only miscopied, but he also inserted his own opinion. So the scholars who understood the vast 
background of language to take them and bring them back into their seeming original form. Yet there is a lack in the ranks in heaven. The first is the apostle. Well, who is the apostle? The one who is called and sent. That's the apostle. You are called into the presence of the risen Lord. You answer the question he asks you, which is the highest of all. It's above all the ranks, for love is the greatest of all. You could be an apostle. You could be the prophet. You could be any of these mentioned in the eight ranks, just as we have in government. We come down from the head down to the very lowest. In the army, we go start with the general, come to the private. We have it in the social world. But above all these ranks hangs love. And so everyone one day will be embraced by the one body, the one spirit, the one Lord, the one God and Father of all, and that being is love. So all will be equal in spite of the part we play in the world. So let no one pull his rank on you. So he's been sent. Well, all right, so he's sent. And maybe he is a prophet. And maybe he is a healer. And maybe he can work miracles. But let no one pull any rank on you. Because eventually you are going to be part of the body of God. And God's immortal body is love. All will then be members of the body of God. The one body, the one spirit, the one Lord, the one God and Father of all. So let no one pull his rank on you. Because I have been called and I have been sent. I am an apostle. I stood in the presence of the risen Lord. And he asked me to name the greatest thing in the world. And I answered in the words, in the words of Paul. Faith, hope, and love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. And that's the embracement. And our bodies fused and we became one body without loss of identity. I was not absorbed into some world soul. I was one with that body of love. One with that spirit. One with that God and Father of all. But no loss of identity. Then I was sent. To be called is to be sent. But it was the embrace of love that was the important thing. For that is above all ranks of the world. So here, the day is coming, and I do hope it's soon for everyone here, when you will find the Son. And when you find him, he is David. David of biblical faith. The David mentioned in the book of Samuel and the book of Chronicles. The David of the Psalm. That is the David of whom I speak. The one that could say, I will tell of the decree of the Lord. He said unto me, Thou art my son. Today I have begotten thee. This is the David of whom I speak. And he is the son of God. And Jesus Christ, if Jesus is Jehovah, and Christ means Messiah, that is the anointed one. And who was anointed? Was it not David? Rise and anoint him. That is he. And from that moment forward, the Spirit of the Lord descended upon him and possessed him. And he lost not a battle, for the Spirit of God went with him.
For this is our destiny. You and I are destined to awaken as the being that we really are. Now the word called purpose is telos. It simply means the end, the climax. It always comes at the end. And you will be saying these words. I have finished the work thou gavest me to do. Now return unto me the glory that was mine. The glory that I had with thee before that the world was. That's what you were saying. You're only asking for the return of what you gave up to come down into the world of death. I finished the work. That's what the word tells me. To finish it, to accomplish it. And having finished it, I'm only asking for the return of what was mine before that the world was. And glory means God himself. Glorify thou me with thine own self, with that glory which I had with thee before that the world was. So what on earth could anyone ask for, comparable to the discovery of the sun which brings his memory back? For we all suffering from amnesia. If I could only remember that I am the Father, and therefore as Father, there is a Son, and find a Son that could in some way call me and then bring back my memory. And he does. He calls you. And your memory returns, and here you stand before your own Son, your only Son. And then you know exactly who you are. And you know how you did it. Before that the world was, you prepared the way for yourself to be done. And he, your son, did everything that you willed him to do. And now you will not leave his soul in hell. You redeem him. And you bring him back. And you and your son return. Now the son is the sum total of all the experiences of humanity fused into a single whole and projected, personified, and it comes out as David. And that is David. You cannot blame anyone for not completely accepting the false concepts that we have given to the world as we teach Scripture. Those who are grounded in the Old Testament, you can't blame them for not unless they have the experience. When they have the experience, they will not go along with the traditional Christian concept. They will see their own wonderful state unfolding. But that Old Testament actually is true, it unfolds. And it is true in the new, but not as taught by those who teach it. They teach it entirely different. It's not so at all. God is the only reality. There is nothing but God. And God is love. And God is the Father. And as a father, there must be a child. And that child happens to be a son. And that son happens to be David. And so I am telling you what I know from my own experience. I have not speculated. I am not theorizing. If today we go back 2,000 years, we think the most important people who lived in the first century, A.D., 
would be the Caesars and the mighty powers of that day. There were the unknown fishermen. Name the others. The unknown fishermen of that century were the most important. So he comes into the world and man by his wisdom did not know God. So it pleased God by the foolishness that I preach, said Paul, to tell you of the mystery of God. And the weakness of man, he uses that. And the humblest of men, and he uses that, and not all the false pride of the world. Today we give awards to this one to be the best dressed. What's he can afford? A hundred thousand a year to dress it. The other one can afford another fortune for something else. And we give all these awards every year. Ask me next year who was mentioned this year. Well, save just as shadows save. But we go back 2,000 years, an unknown fisherman were the most important people that walked the face of the earth. And he called them one by one. And as he called them one by one, he embraced them and sent them. No one can be sent unless he's first called, and when he's called, he's embraced. But who embraced him while he was on earth? No. After he departed this world, it's the risen God that calls them. The risen Lord calls them. And when you're called into this, may I tell you, the story is so altogether true. There is here the angelic being with a recording book. How on earth could that be seen by Daniel? And it's true. Here is a book that tall, a book that wide. And here she stands, or rather she is seated at a desk, not unlike this, but it's a great one. And she's recording, the recording angel. And when you're called into this divine assembly, you stand at her side and she looks at you. She doesn't say one word to you, she just simply records your name. She checks off you, then you're taken in spirit into the presence of the risen Lord. The ancient of days, that's who he is, as described in Daniel. And he asks you the simple question, what is the greatest thing in the world? And you answer automatically as though you were divinely prompted. Faith, hope, and love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. He actually embraces you. He has hands, he has a face, he has a mouth, he asks your question. And here he embraces you, and you fuse as though you took a drop of water and dropped it into a bowl of water. It disappears in it without loss of identity. It becomes a bowl, and yet it is still individualized. I did not cease to be aware that I am the being that I thought myself to be. Yet I felt the ecstasy of the union. That was union. That was the true baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then I was placed in the presence of another who was infinite power. And it was he who sent me. But he is the same one who embraced me. For God is a protean being. 
he assumes any form that suits the purpose of the moment. So when I was saint, power sets me. When I was embraced, love embraced me. That is for eternal. As told in the eighth of Romans, nothing in eternity can separate us from the love of God. So another thing that I will go through, having been saint, can separate me from that union with love. But I was saint not by love, I was saint by power. It seemed to be almighty power when he sent me. Down with the blue blood, not the social structure. Down with all external worship. It simply is an expression meaning all church protocols. Everything that is something on the outside done with it. It has nothing to do with reality. All the things you see when you go to church and all the crosses and all the things done with it. Not tear it down. Ignore it. Has nothing to do with reality. So power sent me to tell you what I am telling you. But love first embraced me. And therefore I am persuaded that not a thing in this world can separate me from the love of God. No matter what I go through, it can't separate me from the love of God. But I am telling you, you are God the Father. You will not awake until the Son appears. That moment in time when He appears, your memory returns. And you recognize Him in the most intimate, marvelous manner. And no power in the world could shake your confidence in this union of father-son. It's the return of memory. Amnesia vanishes. And your godhood returns. But you know, everyone is going to have the identical experience. You cannot vote as you're told in the first chapter of Corinthians. I think it's the fourth chapter. I mean the first Corinthians, fourth chapter. What have you that you did not receive? If you received it, where can you boast? Of what could you boast? How could I stand before you and boast that I was embraced by God when it was a gift? God gives to himself. So I can't boast, I'm not better than if I precede you in a chronological order. I can't precede you in importance. Because they're all one. Everyone is God. So if I preceded you, which undoubtedly I have by a few years, it's twelve years this coming month that it happened to me. It could happen to you tonight. They happen to you at the end of a section of time. But when it happens, you have to be one with me. I can't be better than. And time will mean nothing if I preceded you in time. That has nothing to do taking precedent over you. Because we are one. God is one. So here, the whole thing unfolds within Man, the skull of man, the immortal head of man. That's where the whole drama is. If you dwell upon this, may I tell you, 
you will have the courage to face everything in this world. If business is slow, what does it matter? If someone that you love dearly is fading before your eyes, or as you know, he or he is still the being that you are. That nothing dies in this world. And so it really doesn't matter. If they fade and they disappear from your will, it still doesn't matter because you are loved and he or she is loved. And all in the end are one. All are one. So you are encouraged to go through all the fires of the world, all the hells that one can put upon him. Because we are all one and we cannot come out until we are perfect. You must be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And that perfect means simply fully made, fully grown, a full man. And a full man is God. God is man. But no one tell you that he is not. He is not some impersonal oversoul God is man. Man not knowing this, on this level, he thinks he is some peculiar impersonal force. He is not an impersonal force. Very personal. One body, one spirit, one Lord, one God and Father of all. And all are contained within this one. So I ask you to be patient. And if you can completely grasp all that I am trying to say, believe me. I am telling you what I know from my own personal experience. I am not speculating. I am not theorizing. I have no intentions whatsoever to set up some workable philosophy of life. I have no ism, no desire to set anything in motion to perpetuate what I'm talking about. If anyone has that desire, let them have it. But I have none. I do know that it will last and last and last and grow, just as it grew 2,000 years ago. For the time has come to tell you the truth concerning the sun. We have had it now for 2,000 years, a misconception of who God really is. Jesus is the Lord God Jehovah. And the Lord God Jehovah is a father. And the father has a son. And that son is David. That is the David of biblical fame. And one day you will know it. And you'll be so thrilled you can conceive of the ecstasy that is yours when you see David and David calls you father and then you go back into your own words because you dictated the words of scripture and fell asleep you are the author of the book in the volume of the book it is all about me I delight to do thy will O my lord it's all about me the father and the son this is the relationship and then when it happens to you, you'll tell it. But I am now telling you from my own experience 
the unborn generation will take what you hear tonight and tell it and tell it and tell it I mean unborn generations throughout the centuries for I have been sent to tell it the year was 1929 when I was called 1929 I was called and sent I did not understand anything concerning the mystery that happened that night but he takes the lowest of men the humblest of men not the scholars he takes those that no one would ever suspect and if he takes you well then he is with you and he imposed himself within you so in due time 30 years later he imposed himself within me 1959 but in 30 years in preparation within me like a gestation and then suddenly he rose within me then I knew who he was he came to me as one unknown yet one who in the most wonderful miraculous manner allowed me to experience who he is when I experience who he is I realize I am he they were not two of us then just one I was all alone in the tomb wherein I was buried and I didn't realize throughout the years that I was the one spoken of in scripture that I was the buried one now let me comfort you we have been crucified with Christ not just a single being we have been crucified with Christ nevertheless I live yet not I it is Christ who lives in me and the life I now live I live by the faith of that son of God who loved me his father and gave himself for me he died to bring his father back this is part of the drama the father and the son only God to do it there's nothing but God in the world God is playing every part in the world and in the end when he awakes his beloved David stands before him the sum total of the father's experience through death and he conquers death he comes out of death as the immortal being that he is if you know of anything in this world worthwhile more than what I've told you tonight name it for me if tonight you own the earth and death me I tell you is inevitable what would it matter what you own if you were the most famous person in the world what would it matter if death terminates it I tell you that you are an immortal being infinitely greater than any outside man in the world no position could ever be given to comfort to the being that you be are you are the immortal God you are God the Father if anyone should doubt me tonight I would not question you I only know this much I'll meet you in eternity and we'll laugh at your doubts I would not care if you doubt it or not. We'll meet in eternity. 
There'll be no need for forgiveness because we will simply be hilarious that in your present state of consciousness you could doubt that you are the being. I'm telling you that you are. Having awakened from the dream of life, I'm telling you who you are. And so if you doubt it, I will only have to wait. And I will wait patiently and then embrace you lovingly as my brother. For we're all brothers. It takes all the brothers to form God the Father. Everyone is a brother. And together, collectively, we form God the Father. See, the word Elohim is a plural word. It's a compound unity. One made up of others. We are the others. We are the brothers. So in the beginning, God, that word is Elohim, it's a plural word. Let us make man in our image, that's a plural word, and the word is Elohim. So we are the ones who make it in our image. They must be faithfully reproduced, what? The original. We are the original. They must be faithfully reproduced to expand the glory that is ours. When it's faithfully reproduced, then it's perfect. Then you awake. But you've expanded by reason of the experience of coming into the world of death. Now, if this is not practical tonight, may I tell you, it's far more practical than anything that you will ever hear in the world. If the morning's paper, you read a prominent name. It's always prominent if it's in the theatrical world and big, or it has money. Doesn't ask you how you got the money, but if you could leave, say, 50 million tonight, even though you stole the 50 million, you're going to get a long, long victory tomorrow. But you aren't going to take it with you. You're going to leave your 50, whatever it is, for others to either spend or invest as they do. But they aren't going to take it with them. I ask you to leave nowhere. Because now you know who you are. Live so that your mind can store a past worthy of recall. Or you can simply leave a little thing behind you, but you're going to take over your past. I'll know, you will know, when you go beyond. In my own case, I am not going beyond. I have finished the race. I can actually say with Paul, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. So I am not continuing the race, continuing the fight. I will only continue it for a little while to get off all that I am told I must get off before the curtain comes down. Which in my own case, without being sad about it, I personally hope it isn't too long. I hope it's not beyond the immediate present. That is my personal hope. But I do know we all coming on time and we go on time. So I cannot tell anyone because no one knows that hour, that moment. But the deep, and he doesn't reveal it to the surface mind. 
You simply reveal it at that moment when you go. But I, as a being still living on the surface for a little while, it would be my wish that it would not be long delayed. Could I finish it? I've done all that I am called upon to do. I have finished the work thou gavest me to do. Now return unto me the glory that was mine, the glory that I had with thee before that the world was. That's my prayer tonight. But I do hope that you will be encouraged, no matter what happens to you in the present or the future, to remember these words that you really are God the Father. If you are beaten down and you're ostracized and left alone, remember, you are God the Father. And remember my words, you are going to find your son who is God's son. And God's son is going to call you father and you will know you really are God the father. And whatever tells you warn, how tattered they might have been in the world, when you hear it, you will be clothed in your immortal body. It's a glorified body. A body that no one here on earth could ever describe. You can't describe it. How could I tell anyone what it is to stand in the presence of love? And yet it's man. But how could I find words to describe the God of a being who is wearing love? 